We come now to the portion of our service where we honor God by giving attention to His Word. Uh, This week we're going to study uh, from Psalm 42. We're going to take a break from our regular series in the book of Romans. We'll pick that back up again when we come back together again, which we pray will be soon here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But this morning we look at Psalm 42 because there is a a very practical and both a timely and timeless message uh, that God has given to us uh, through the psalmist. But before we come to uh, the Word, let's take time to go before God in prayer. Our holy God, we do come this day, a day that you've made, but uh, a day that is different than others. A day that is different in part because it is awkward in a sense, because rather than being gathered in one place, we are scattered in many places. We pray, though, that you would continue to keep us united as we worship together, as we consider the same word together, and as we continue to communicate together. We pray now that as we consider your word, that you would guide us by both the word and by your spirit, and that by your light we would see, and that by your truth we would find freedom, and that by your grace we would experience peace through Christ Jesus, the word incarnated. We pray in his holy name for your glory and for the good of your people here and everywhere. Amen. On a Sunday evening near the end of October 1948, the legendary radio broadcaster Walter Winchell took to the airwaves to alert the nation of an emergency that was taking place in Denora, Pennsylvania, a small mill town just south of Pittsburgh. And an impenetrable, toxic, and ultimately lethal fog had blanketed the area during the previous week and had silently infected many of the residents. Communication in this town was relatively spark. There was no television station. There were no radio stations. uh, There were no hospitals. There were only uh, eight full-time doctors and two full-time firefighters. But the communication was so sparse uh, that many of the 12,000-plus residents of this community didn't realize the extent of the danger until they began hearing from family and friends that lived outside the area. Now, uh, within a few hours after Winchell's broadcast, the chief counsel for the American Steel and Wire reached the superintendent of the zinc works and told him to shut down the furnaces because it was believed and later to, shown to be the source of the toxic cloud that had enveloped its community. There is another kind of fog. It's an emotional fog, spiritual, mental fog, that is also very common, and it is just as toxic as is the, uh, the fog that was in Denora. It's a common fog during dark days and difficult days, days like we are experiencing right now during a time of a virus breakout, the pandemic, Uh, during a time of isolation from other people, a time of uncertainty, a time where many are uncomfortable, many more are even even fearful. In days like these, it's easy for us to have our emotions get out of sorts and to find ourselves disturbed in some way. Psalm 42 speaks to that fog. Not only does it identify that fog, it invites us to uh, admit that fog that we experience, and and then it also gives us a prescription that enables us to deal with it. I want you to consider for a moment the psalmist as he describes his own emotions and his own circumstances at that time. As we look at the psalm, he begins with some very familiar words, words that seem very 
uh, gentle, very peaceful. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And so it's easy as we look at these words to begin thinking of deer in a meadow, deer down by the creek or by the stream, and think of a time that is, is very peaceful or a scene that is very peaceful and, and very gentle. But we need to recognize that what he is saying beyond the, the scene of, of the deer and, and, and the meadow and, and by the stream is that his soul is like the deer who are panting for the waters. The reason the deer are panting is because they're dry, they're parched. And the psalmist is saying that that's what he feels like that he's spiritually parched, he is spiritually dry right now. And he goes on and, and expands on his, uh, his opening lines by saying, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. In other words, he knows that God is real and he knows that God is present, but for some reason he's going through a season where he doesn't feel and is not experiencing the presence of God, his grace in his life. And so he's confessing through prayer in, in this song that he wrote uh, about that dryness in his life. And in verse 2, he continues and says, when shall I come and appear before God? He's acknowledging that God seems very distant to him in the circumstance that he finds himself in. And then he says something that is uh, even more astounding. He digs even deeper as to his own emotions. In verse 3, he says this, my tears have been my food day and night. And it's a poetic language, but it's something that many people can identify with. Uh, when he says, my tears have been my food day and night, what he's saying is, I'm so discouraged. I'm so depressed. I have no appetite. I can't even eat. And so the tears that are rolling down his cheeks, that's the food. It's the only food that he is, is, is taking of. And then he elaborates even more, and he says that the people are asking, where is your God? Now, in his case, it seems to be that there are people somewhat mocking him. He may have been known for his faith and recognizing that he is feeling somewhat downcast. It may have been on his countenance. They're asking, so where's your God? Or it may be like many of us have experienced at times where we were feeling somewhat down, feeling somewhat off, where well-intended people would come and ask, Where's your faith? Trying to encourage us to uh, step in and to live what we believe. And yet at that moment when we are in the midst of uh, a fog, uh, those words, whether well-intended or mocking, don't seem to be helpful. He continues on in verse 4. We see him looking back and thinking about days gone by. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would, I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and song of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. And as he's looking back, he's perhaps experiencing uh, momentary relief. He's thinking of days gone by that were good and glad. And as he thinks of those things, maybe he's experiencing th this relief for the moment. But the problem is that moment fades and reality comes gushing back in. And that which we are experiencing when we are in the midst of the fog that brings us relief seems even worse later on because we have that drastic shift from the excitement or the, the, the relief of the, the good memories to now facing reality again. And so it's no surprise that he is in need of, of some relief. Now, it's important that we understand this fog. 
because the reality is either you are prone to it and may even be in the midst of it right now, or you know somebody who is prone to it or is experiencing a spiritual, emotional, or, or mental fog right now. And when someone is in the midst of the fog, what they need most is for someone who understands, someone who would be willing to come alongside of them, to encourage them, to listen to them, and then also to point them to a way in which they may overcome their hardship. Now, here in Psalm 42, again, we see what God prescribes for us. The psalmist not only gives us permission to admit and to deal honestly and openly with uh, the fog, whatever it is that is in our life, but he also prescribes a way of relief. And what we see in this psalm is that the key for dealing with our spiritual depression, for our, our fog, is to talk to yourself. It may seem odd, but that over and over again is a theme in Scripture, and it is a very, very uh, clear theme in this particular psalm. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a minister in the middle of the 20th century in, in London and a prolific writer, uh, writing about this particular passage, he writes this, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment uh, of the psalmist uh, was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul, he asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. And we see in this psalm, the psalmist speaking to himself and examining himself as a way of finding relief, finding hope in the grace of God. And so if we look at this as a whole, one of the things that we see, or the things that we see first, is that when you find yourself in a, an emotional, spiritual fog, you are to first ask yourself a question. What is the source or the root of my sorrow? That's what the psalmist is doing when he's asking himself this question. Why are you downcast, O my soul? He, there's nobody else that he's speaking to. He's, he's talking to himself. He's asking, what's the problem? And he's digging deep within. It's an issue of self-awareness, and self-awareness is vital if we're going to overcome difficulty. Self-awareness is vital in, in many cases. John Calvin, in the uh, beginning of the Institutes of the Christian Religion, he says this, on our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two points. One, the knowledge of God, and two, the knowledge of ourselves. Self-awareness is necessary if we're to have wisdom. Wisdom is necessary if we're to address uh, our own issues and if we're going to find relief from the darkness and from the dark days that are around us. We see the psalmist asking that question, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? And then he does the second thing that we need to consider. 
after he is asking himself the question of what is the source of your sorrow, we see him doing something that we talk about a lot here at Grace Covenant, which is preach the gospel to yourself. Because immediately after he asks the question, why are you downcast, O my soul? He then speaks and says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him. What the psalmist is doing there, again, he's continuing to speak to himself. There's nobody else we have any reason to believe this is in the room there, but he's speaking to himself. He's telling himself to change his focus, focus rather than on the circumstances that he is, uh, that are causing him difficulty and hardship and disappointment, discouragement, and turn to the reality of God, who he is and what he has done and what he has promised. And he speaks to himself and he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And what's going on here as he is speaking and preaching to himself is he's turning his attention specifically to God and saying to him, hope in the Lord. Now, it's important that we understand what the psalmist is saying when he's using the word hope. Hope in the Old Testament is not like we use the word hope. We use the word hope for something that we would like to see happen, but we can't control the outcome. We have no way of making it happen. And so we might say, we, we hope this will happen. We hope it doesn't rain on a picnic or a time for us to get outside. We hope that we will be able to get out and see people soon. But we're not able to do anything that's going to make that happen. And so it's just something that we would desire, but we can't make that happen. In the scriptures, the word hope, particularly when it is related to God, is not about something that we uh, hope for and wish would see happen, but it is a promise of God that is yet to come to fruition, but it is as good as done because God has promised it. Because the scriptures tell us that God is faithful regardless of our situation. In fact, we're told in the scriptures that he will remain faithful even if we are faithless because he will never deny himself. Hope in the scriptures is more like this. Those who work have put in their full time, put in their labor, have worked diligently, faithfully. When it comes time for the paycheck, they're not hoping that the paycheck will be there. There's an expectancy that the paycheck will be there because that was the condition that they had bargained for when they took the job in the first place. It's that expectancy with which the psalmist is, is telling himself to hope in God. Hope in God. And he's thinking of God's being, what God is like, his own faithfulness, his promises. And he's saying, these are the very things that I can feed my soul with and I can dig into and that I can root myself in. And if I am rooted in these things and if I am, I am trusting in these things, then I have hope and, and hope is the first step for us to experience joy. And so the psalmist is really focusing his faith forward because God has made a promise and yet in the present moment he's not experiencing it. Rooting himself in that and reminding himself of what God is like and what God has promised. His hope is, his expectation is, is that he will come out of the fog that he is experiencing. And then he continues on in this, and he talks a little bit more about his condition. He says, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. He's thinking back again in the past. In verse 7, he says, deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls are all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. In other words, what he's saying there is, I feel like I'm in over my head. I, I, I'm in, I, I have no control. 
And then he offers up his prayer by day. The Lord commands a steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do, go, why do I go mourning because of oppression of the enemy? And so he has spoken to himself. He's preached the gospel to himself. But one of the things that we see is that there is no easy fix. There are no magic words. This is not about positive thinking, that if you just speak the right words and imagine things the right way, that everything will go well. It's a process. And the psalmist, after he evaluates what's going on in his own life and then speaks to himself about the truths of God, he, he's still admitting, here's, here's what's going on within me. Here's how I'm, I'm still feeling. I'm feeling abandoned by God. And I'm feeling mocked by the people who are around me. And so we come to the last verse here in verse 11, where he repeats what he has said before in verse five. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now we may wonder why does he repeat this? And then why does he end with this? Because both of those are very important questions if we're going to understand what God is speaking to us through this particular psalm. And again, I think the reason that he's repeating this verse is because it's a reminder to us there is no magic formula. It doesn't happen immediately just because we think positive thoughts or remind ourselves of what God has promised. There is a, an emotional process that we have to enter into. And so he's saying here, don't be discouraged simply because it didn't take the first time you remembered God, the first time you went into worship, the first time you spent extensive time in prayer or in singing. It may be that you continue to wrestle with things. It, it takes a lot to dig down and to uh, dig up the emotions that are within us. But the psalmist is doing that here. And so we see he repeats this because it's needed to be repeated. And he ends with this, I believe, because it has a suggestion that you repeat as necessary. Much like any capsule that you might have, if you have aspirin, take two aspirin, take as necessary, that would be the prescription. The prescription of the psalmist here seems to be take as necessary. Ask yourself the question, dig down, find about what's going on. Why are you downcast within you? And continue to ask yourself that question until and, and see what, what comes up until you're getting to the root and to the core of the very thing that is causing your discouragement. And then remind yourself of God's promises until God's grace overshadows the experience that is darkening your countenance. And we do this and we repeat it as necessary, whether that's twice or three times or five times, we continually engage in this self-discussion asking the question, what's the source of my sorrow? And reminding ourselves that the source of our hope is not found within us or in any provision, but in the person of God himself. I find these words to be very important for us at any time, but perhaps especially now, as we are in a cultural crisis. And there are a number of things that will cause people to enter into a fog. Isolation is ideally, is not ideal. Uh, we are wired to be in need of one another and in need of fellowship. And so when we are told to socially isolate ourselves so that we don't infect one another, 
It has, it's a necessary step, but it is something that we also may see some difficulties come from that. The virus that is yet to be controlled and there is yet no cure for is frightening for uh, many people. Even in our church, as we have at least one church member who has been infected, it, it comes home and it's not just something that is there on the news, but it's a very personal thing for us. It may be that you're cooped up and it becomes difficult uh, and the tensions in, in, in relationship, being in such close proximity with anybody is, is, can be difficult on a constant basis. But there are a number of reasons why today especially we may find ourselves in a fog, a fog that makes us wonder where God is and helping and leading us to feel somewhat discouraged. As I finish, I just want to just remind you of this, is that those who run marathons um, know that along the way, there are going to be water tables and, and volunteers there with water bottles. And at different intervals throughout the race, throughout the run, they'll run over to the side, they will refresh themselves as they continue on in the race. I think as we look at Psalm 42, we recognize that the prescription that God has given to us here is really much like those water tables and volunteers that are refreshing us. Because we are told what we are in need of. We are in need of the grace of God, and God has promised to meet us and to give us the grace that we need. But we need more than one dose to see us through the race of our lives. And at this time, we need it all the more. Fortunately for all of us, our God has provided everything we need so that we, like the psalmist, can say, hope in God, for I will and I do praise him. Let's pray. Holy God, we do thank you. And we pray that you would be at work in our hearts, in our relationships, in our community, and throughout our world. Be at work within our hearts that we might find the peace and the joy uh, that you've promised to those who are in Christ Jesus as we recognize your love for us and as we are able to have fellowship with you and with one another, even if our fellowship with one another is by phone and through the computer. But even as you work peace within your people, may we also be a source of peace, of comfort, of, of hope to the communities where you have placed us. May we, as Christ has done for us, lay our lives down for others, that they may find encouragement and ultimately the hope uh, that is offered in the gospel. And even as this is a worldwide pandemic that we are seeing around us, Lord, may you use the, the glory of your grace that is at work within your people. May it be scattered throughout the nations that there's not only a cure for the illness, but a cure for our sin that is made known that the whole world, all the elect, may hope in God and praise you. This is our prayer, and we pray it with hope, expectation, in Christ Jesus. Amen.